Hello there, team, and welcome back to the John Cast. We're all still here. It's good to be back with you all. Quick update. I don't know if any of you out there have heard. Um, this is sort of like a it's sort of like a niche, tiny little piece of culture that is happening right now. Uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> it's real. And I, I apologize. I'm not meaning to make a joke or make light of it. Um, it is just crazy how all-encompassing it has been, how pervasive we are truly living, I keep saying it, in a global moment. And so a few things uh, uh, just about that. This is not a podcast about the coronavirus at all. Uh, I actually have two podcasts out there with some conversations surrounding the current moment that we are in. One of them was posted here on this feed, on the JohnCast feed, uh, just two days ago. You can go and check that out. Also, the triumphant return of the bear and the swan. Get excited, everyone. Um, It took a quarantine. It took a pandemic. But Sweet Bear and I, we sat down this week and we chatted about our own journey. We are all kind of walking through the same thing. But at the same time, we are all having to walk through it in different ways. And so a few days ago, Sweet Bear and I, we sat down. We talked about it into some microphones. And so... If you want to listen to either of those, they can be found, one of them obviously on this feed, the other one over at The Bear and The Swan, if you're not subscribed there. But also, if you don't want to listen to those, like if you're completely coronaed out, then don't. You don't need to. Take a break. Watch a movie. Listen to this podcast, because this podcast is not going to be about that at all. Today, we are continuing in our series, King Mode. And I want to start with a story. So a few weeks ago, some of you know this, some friends and I took a trip to Charleston, South Carolina. And if you don't know, Sweet Bear and I, we love Charleston. We are obsessed with it. We went for the first time maybe two and a half to three years ago. We have been back a grand total of five to six times since then. We love it. We absolutely love it there. But one thing that we had never done until we went with a few friends of ours is take a walking tour of the city. Charleston is obviously one of the most historic cities that the United States has to offer. And so tours are a big thing, carriage tours, bus tours, walking tours as well. And so we decided, one of our friends was very passionate about doing it, so I decided to kind of hop on. And one of our stops on this tour, I actually think I I talked about the tour on this podcast. I talked about Chucktown Tours and how incredible it was. It was. But one of our stops on this tour, um, it was a place called White Point Gardens. And White Point Gardens is this tiny patch of green on the tip of the peninsula that is Charleston. Charleston is not an island, but a peninsula. And this little park was home to some pretty epic military battles dating all the way back to the Civil War and even before that. And if you walk around White Point Gardens today, you will see uh, that they have these statues, these cannons, and these just like stacked up cannonballs. And one thing that I learned while I was on 
the tour is those are not replicas or those are not like the cannons and the cannonballs that were used. Those are the cannons and some of the leftover cannonballs that were used from those battles. How crazy is that? But what I actually found most amazing about White Point Gardens wasn't the cannonballs. It wasn't the fact that it was 65 degrees at the very beginning of March. What I found most amazing about White Point Gardens were the trees. The trees in this park are incredible. I threw some up on the on my YouTube channel, some pictures of some of these trees. Some of these trees are even older than the cannons that we were talking about. Some of these trees are almost 300 years old. And today, if you go and you walk through that park, you will notice that these trees are enormous. They are elaborate. It is clear that they have been there and they have seen so much. But to an early settler living in the 1760s, those trees would have been very, very small to them. In fact, if you were to walk around White Point Gardens back then, you may have not even seen some of those trees at all because they weren't trees. They were just seeds in the ground at that point. Hold that in your mind because we're going to come back to it. During this Lent season here on the JohnCast, we have been walking through a series called King Mode. And in the last several weeks, we've been focusing on different aspects of the kingdom of God. And so far, we've talked about where the kingdom of God is. We learned that the kingdom of God is near or at hand through Jesus. Last week, we talked about who the kingdom of God is for. We talked about how it is for everybody, especially the nobodies. But this week, we're going to look at what the kingdom of God is like. Get excited, everyone, because here we go. So in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Those two terms are synonymous, remember. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven in the Gospel of Matthew more than he talks about anything else. Nearly 50 times he mentions it. And one of the main ways that Jesus uses to describe the exact nature of God's kingdom is he describes it through what are called parables. You may be familiar with this word. Parables are short fictional stories that Jesus used as one of his main teaching tools to describe the kingdom of God. And sort of the hotbed for parables is in Matthew chapter 13. There we find a whole bunch, and I mean a whole bunch of parables. And each of these stories is giving us a metaphor for what the kingdom of heaven is like. Parables are not just stories that that teach lessons, but specifically each and every parable that you read, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, each and every parable is about and describing the kingdom of heaven, the nature of the kingdom of God. For example, we have the parable of the sower in which Jesus teaches about our reactions to the good news of the kingdom and the effect that those reactions have on our hearts and on our lives. 
There's the parable of the mustard seed, which you may be familiar with. Jesus compares the kingdom to the tiniest of seeds that, if given time, actually becomes the largest of plants. There's the parable of the hidden treasure, in which Jesus compares the kingdom of God with hidden treasure. And we could talk about all of these parables and break them down all day, and the Bible nerd inside of me would be so excited. But I want to sort of do an overarching view of not just these three parables, but all of the parables that we find in Matthew chapter 13. Because if you read them closely, you'll find that they all have several things in common. They are all describing some of the same attributes about the kingdom of God. We talked about before how every parable is in some way describing the kingdom of God, but these parables, if you read them closely, are actually describing the same attributes and the same way that the kingdom of God works. And I want to give you three of them. In these parables, first, we see that the kingdom of God starts small. In these stories, the kingdom is often compared to things like a seed, which is very, very tiny. Now remember, in this series, we're not talking about the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven as this far-off, distant afterlife. We're talking about it as a reality of God being in charge in and through Jesus that can be experienced right here and right now. And so in our lives, the kingdom of God often starts small. God often enters our minds and our hearts through one experience or a short conversation or through a tiny whisper or through the bridge of a song. I'm sure you can think about your own relationship with Jesus, how it perhaps started with a tiny decision to say yes to his invitation to follow him. Many of you know my story. It happened at a summer camp when I was 13 years old. I heard the gospel message and then I went outside of the chapel and I laid on a bench. And I probably only laid on that bench for three minutes. But in there, I prayed one simple prayer to give my life over to Jesus, to say yes to his invitation, to follow him into the kingdom of God. And to be honest, I probably didn't even understand all of this. I definitely didn't understand all of this language at that point. But the kingdom of God started small in my life. It started with one tiny little prayer on a bench in the middle of the Chicagoland suburbs on a summer night in 2005. But while these actions may be small, what we learn from these parables is that they are indeed kingdom actions. The second thing that we discover is that the kingdom of God is usually unseen. Just like the hidden treasure Or just like that seed that is planted in the ground, the reality of God being in charge in our lives, it isn't something that we can always visibly see, at least not literally, or or at least not right away. And the work that needs to be done in order for us to cultivate and live into this kingdom kind of life, the kingdom of God right here and right now, the work that we need to do in order to participate in that. 
the work of developing a relationship with God through prayer, the work of sitting and studying and meditating on God's word, the work of allowing God to speak to us and transform our heart, that work is often unseen. Oftentimes, it's done in quiet rooms. It's done during early mornings in our own minds and hearts. Other people can't necessarily see it. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean that the kingdom isn't in it. If I was teaching this live, that would appear on the screen as a slide, and I would encourage you to write it down. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean that the kingdom isn't in it. The kingdom of God is often unseen. And finally, we learn that the kingdom of God takes time. There's a reason that Jesus used so many agricultural or farming metaphors in his parables. And it's not just because this was a major industry in his day, although it was. But when we enter into the kingdom of God through a relationship with Jesus— when we put God in charge of our lives or when when we give God control, things don't just magically transform right away. It's not just all up and to the right for the rest of life. The kingdom life, it is a completely new and different kind of life than we are used to. It is a completely new and different kind of life than we are currently offered in our culture. And so just like a plant, it takes time for it to take root in our hearts, and it needs to be watered, and it needs to be cared for, and you're not going to see much change at the beginning, but slowly over time, you see things begin to sprout up. Slowly over time, you begin to see things change, and then two months or a year, or 10 years down the road, you're able to look and you say, wow, that thing that started so small is now a giant life of faith, but it took time. Yes, I'm sorry if you're hearing all of these dogs barking in the background. COVID-19 has me in quarantine at my in-laws, and there are four dogs in the house right now. Pray for us all. Actually, that's the best news I've heard all day. You see, just like, let's go back to the message. Just like the trees at at White Point Gardens in Charleston, the kingdom of God starts small within us. The work that God is doing in our hearts, it is usually unseen to the outside world. And that work, that transformation, it is so huge. It wants to reach every single part of not only us, but every single part of our world. And so therefore, it takes time. But when we allow the kingdom of God to grow in our minds and hearts, we will start to see growth in our lives. We will start to see fruit in every single area. But of course, All of this requires that we take a long-term view in our relationship with God. I, I think a big part of these parables is Jesus is saying the kingdom, it's not a microwave dinner. This is not a drive through kingdom that you can do and accomplish and live in in one minute or in one conversation or in one day. The kingdom of God, it is meant to transform, as we said before, Every single part of us and our world, 
That is going to be a process. And the call of Jesus, I believe, to each and every one of us who are seeking to live that kingdom with God kind of life, the call of Jesus is for us to say yes to the process of the kingdom. To all of my NBA fans out there, it's like the Philadelphia 76ers. Say yes to the process. It's going to be tough for a while. Our team might not be very good. It might not seem like things are getting any better, but slowly but surely we will trust the process. Say yes to the process of God's kingdom. Say yes to starting small. Say yes to the unseen work of God in our lives and say yes to a long-term view of your relationship with him. This is a relationship that is meant for eternity. And so why would you think you could develop it in one church service or in one short season? As always, uh, we have a next step practice available in the description to help you apply this teaching to your life, I hope in a very real way. But I so appreciate you all listening, and I just want you to know I am praying for you. I am holding this John Cast community in my mind and heart, and I hope this has just been an encouraging word for you. I think this season of quarantine for so many of us, it can be a time for us to really lean in to that process of the kingdom being planted in our hearts. So as you go, may you say yes to the process of the kingdom as it starts small, as it is unseen for a while, but over time, would you see the kingdom begin to grow in and through your life? I love you all. Keep being awesome.